Why death? Death is the part of our lives we are so very certain about, yet we fear the most. Hiding deep within anxiety, which is a current epidemic, lies the fear of death, ours or a loved ones. But what if I told you that people who embrace death and talk about it openly have a more full spectrum life experience? We know it isn't your fault. We've been programmed to stuff our conversations and feelings surrounding end of life. By listening to other stories, you get invaluable practice. Our listeners feel more informed about what to do when they find themselves negotiating that inevitable terrain. Most of all, our listeners feel a personal expansion after sitting with someone's tender and fascinating story. That's why we say, listening will make you a better human. Promise. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us for an episode of the Death Dialogues Project podcast. I'm your host for today, Kate Bruns. My sincere hope is that no matter the reason you're tuning in, you will find something with which to relate and connect. But most importantly, I hope something you hear today brings you peace. Thanks for being with us. This is Becky. I just want to thank you for joining us today for this episode between Kate Burns, my co-host, and Bethany Harvey, who is the debut memoirist of the book, Dipped in It. And that reached the bestseller list on both Barnes & Noble and Amazon when released in July of 2021. Dipped in It came to life when Bethany's gratitude journaling went awry. In Dipped In It, Bethany's daily reflections during a period of deep grief explore the question, can gratitude and grief coexist? The answer is a resounding yes, as Bethany learns that we can rage, weep, belly laugh, and ache over the beauty and fragility of life all in one day, an hour, or even a moment. It all gets to belong. Bethany is a deep thinker and feeler the mother of two inspiring children, and the owner of a much sought after childcare center in her home state of Rhode Island. Her daughter is showcasing the gorgeous cover she created in the photo with this episode. Hey, thanks for being here. Today on the podcast, we have Bethany Harvey, and Bethany has written a book called Dipped in It. Bethany, thanks so much for being here with me today. Thanks for having me, Kate. So excited for this conversation. Um, Bethany, if you want to go ahead and let our listeners know where you are in the world, and then you can kind of just dive into your experience with death, and we can chat from there. Sure. So I am in Rhode Island in the United States, the smallest state in Rhode Island, and we are on the East Coast. And I, let's see, dive into it. Well, my experience with grief has been, I I would say, limited and also heavy (laughs) in that um, when my father passed away, which incredibly is five years ago now at this point, which I really had to do the math in my head. We just came past the anniversary, January 5th. And 
I think between the fact that he passed and then within a year of that, my mother was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer and we dove right into that and chemo and surgeries and all of these things. And then we were right up on 2020 where, so it's like this time warp that we're in. So it has been five years and I had lost grandparents uh, previously and um, a beloved cousin who passed from alcoholism the year before my dad. Um, but losing my dad was an experience like something I had never had before. And previous to that, I think I was just always one of those people who I thought my role in life was to have a sunny disposition. And I don't know, <laughs> I think part of that, you know, reflecting on it is that nothing really terrible had happened to me. So it was easy to have a sunny disposition. Uh, but uh, it was very difficult for me being in deep grief because I had never really wallowed in anything like that. And I use the word wallowed so lovingly because um, I just think it's appropriate to how I was feeling, um, describing it as just like I was just in it so fully. And um, I think, you know, everyone was around us and circling us and so wonderful with bringing food and offering to take care of pets and children and, you know, as people do in fresh grief. And then I think it's actually more of a self-imposed timeline because I didn't really have the experience of anybody. And I know that some people who are grieving have had this experience, but mm -hmm. for me, I didn't really have anyone say things like, you know, uh, you must be over it by now, or, mm. you know, something to that effect mm -hmm. um, from things I've read that apparently happens, but nobody did <laughs> oh, that yes. to me. So, <laughs> so I think it was more self-imposed that I thought, I don't know, somehow in my head, I had this like three month mark and I was like, okay, after that, I'll be feeling better. And, um, and that of course did not happen. So I just honestly got so sick of myself, so sick of my own company. And I think my grief was compiled by this feeling that I was just the most ungrateful person in the world because I had this wonderful extended family, these beautiful children, uh, lived in a beautiful home near the sea. And um, I loved my job. And I had so many wonderful friends, you know, just the list goes on and on of all of these wonderful privileges that I had and, and all of these things that I know deep down I was grateful for, but I felt like the most ungrateful person on earth because to me, it seemed like, well, you have all of these wonderful things. So how could you possibly still be in this deep well? And so what I actually ended up doing in the middle of this most terrible place I'd ever been in my life was to decide that I was going to just grateful myself out of it. And so <laughs> 
I know it's funny now and um, was even funny in the moment because, you know, I have a dear friend who um, I I went onto social media, onto Facebook, and I told everyone that I was going to be writing a gratitude post every day for a year. This was my solution to my deep grief. And close friend of mine called me and was like, are you kidding me? You know, like this she knew what a terrible place I was in. And I, and I think I actually wrote in the Facebook post, I'm just really just so, so sick of myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I need to be reminded of all the things that I'm grateful for. So I dove into it and I started to do it every day. And pretty quickly that unraveled because it felt... Um, you know, I, I think I'm a good writer. And so people were responding to, you know, beautiful posts about walking in the forest and, you know, Mm -hmm. the smell of the forest after it rains or whatever it was that I was writing about, but it just felt so disconnected from how I really felt and what I really needed to process and share. And so after about a week, I just, said to hell with it. And I sat down and I wrote how I really felt, which was that I, I just felt like I wanted to crawl out of my own skin and I couldn't stand my own company. And I was just so, um, so deep in my grief that I, I, I just couldn't take it. And I, I just hit post and put that out into the world instead of one of my gratitude posts. And and to my great surprise, that resonated with more people than yeah. anything else I had written. Mm-hmm. And I think oh, between the toxic positivity in the world, um, <laughs> just you know, everybody wanting to post on social media their happiest, rosiest moments, I think it's um, I think it's a relief to people to read something that more accurately reflects maybe what they're going through or what they have gone through. And so I just started getting all of this feedback from people, you know, thank you so much for writing that. That's, this is exactly how I feel, or I've been there. I know exactly what you're, you know, what you're going through. And um, this whole community formed on Facebook, um, which I called dipped in it because it was an expression that my father used to use. And it was uh, a little bit of a ironic title. Um, When I gave his eulogy, I wrote, I spoke about how he used to tell me that I was dipped in it, meaning that I was a very lucky person. And I spoke about how I think he always knew that he was dipped in it. And so when I started this Facebook group, I don't, that was just the title that came to me. And it was a little, a little ironic because I felt completely dipped in grief at the moment. Um, but it was also, you know, the heart of it was trying to get me back to a place where I remembered that I was dipped in it. And, and so I wrote, I did keep my intention of writing. I wrote almost every day for a year. Um, and some days it was actually about gratitude. And on those days, it was, you know, it really came from the heart and was what I was feeling that day. And other days it was about grief. And I started writing about other unprocessed grief that I had in my life that 
you know, I've later learned from all of the reading that I've done about grief at this point that when you have a big loss and you haven't processed losses from uh, previous previous experiences, it all kind of comes back and gets loaded in together. And for me, the previous grief was not um, not necessarily the loss of a person, but it was sort of the unraveling of my marriage and the upheaval that I had experienced in my life. And um, as I mentioned with my mother, um, having gone through cancer, you know, I'm writing this daily journaling on Facebook. And so um, initially she didn't want me to disclose to people that she was going through cancer. So I started writing about the elephant in the room for a while. I kept referring to the elephant in the room and and then eventually she was um, comfortable with that being known. And, and so I, I wrote about that experience as well. So it just became a very open and honest reflection of, I think, life and how it's so many splendored, as they say. <laughs> and just, um, because I was writing daily during the year of deep grief and so much going on, it was um, it was a real roller coaster because that's what grief is, right? And it's just like one day I felt so triumphant and I'm really, you know, getting this, I'm feeling so much better. And the next day I wouldn't be able to get out of bed. So mm-hmm. it, it's um, it was a very true account. And, and while I was doing that, people kept saying to me, you should write a book, you should write a book. And in that moment, I was just really trying to keep my head above water and that wasn't really where I was going with it or what I wanted to do with it. But at the end of time, I realized that I had written a book. So, <laughs> so, uh, so I did write a book and um, it came out last year and um, I, with the title dipped in it, as we've said, and um, it is a collection of daily stories and reflections through my life in the year after my father passed. And there's a lot in it. And um, as I said, I talk about divorce and, you know, our unique experience with our family, her somewhat unique, um, I should say, becoming less unique, perhaps, which is, which is good, because it's all being um, more widely accepted and normalizing. But my spouse came out as transgender in the probably about nine months before my dad passed and a couple of years after we had divorced. And so it was sort of like um, processing one thing and then processing another thing and, um, you know, moving forward with that. And so the book became kind of a reflection of all of those different changes and um I don't know, just just relating to what was happening in my life. And I think that what really came out of it for me was the big acceptance that I was allowed to feel all of the things. And I didn't just have to push down everything so that I could be, you know, bubbly and and grateful all the time Mm -hmm. that it was all a part of me all of these feelings were a part of me. And until I was able to accept that. And 
and I guess maybe even just love on it a little bit, um, I wasn't going to be okay. It was just um, a denial of who I was. And so this daily writing helped me to see that and process that. And I'm so grateful for all the people that spoke up with their, you know, same over here, because mm-hmm. I think that's the most isolating thing about grief, isn't it? Is feeling alone. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's been a great gift and one that I'm trying to uh, continue on and share with other people with my book and with doing these podcasts and just uh, having more visibility in grief, which I'm seeing such a surge in that. You yeah. must be seeing that, obviously, if this is what you're doing. For- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, isn't it so wonderful that it's not, it's, it's becoming something that doesn't just get tucked away. It's, it's fascinating. That's an experience that literally happens to everyone. I mean, unless you happen to die first before anyone else you love dies, um, it happens to everyone. And it's so, I understand how some, some people really want and need to be very private about that. And I, re- I respect that, but I think there are so many of us that are just hungry to find community and to talk about it. And it hasn't been readily available, but yes. it's becoming more and more so. I honestly feel like I'm listening to myself talk through you. Um, You know, this, that was kind of the whole, that was the way that I found this podcast. And I was interviewed as a guest with Becky and, um, you know, just, I, I kept thinking after my loss, um, how do people survive this? How do people live through this? And I felt crazy because I saw people moving around this world going like, I know you've lost someone. I know you've lost someone. How are you not talking about this? Um, And so I felt like it was, it was just very something, very almost like um, just something that I was experiencing. And, and thank God I found this podcast and kind of listened to some of the people talk about, you know, some of their complicated relationships with their, their dead person. And, I was like, it was just like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders, um, hearing other people just openly, genuinely talk about the way that they were feeling, whether it was feelings of relief or feelings of deep, deep sadness, you know, it, it, those seem like two ends of the spectrum to me. And it was just like, okay, I, it's not just me. Um, cause, because, you know, if you don't, if you don't grow up with parents who maybe knew how to share that with you or share kind of what grief looks like through through their own behavior, it can be so challenging. And that's why I love what you said about that toxic pos- positivity and that, you know, feeling like you were just being ungrateful. And I think so often that's what's getting shoved in our faces, just kind of societally shoved in our faces of just be grateful. Just think of all of the things that you still have. Yes, you lost this person or yes, this major life event happened that turned your life upside down, but just be grateful. And I'm so, uh, so glad to hear that you kind of said to hell with it after, did you say a week? Yeah, probably think it was about a week. It might not have even been a week. <laughs> yeah, and then just kind of recognize that that this grief and these feelings are part of you and and that's okay. 
Um, I think so many people find this podcast and others like it and books like yours kind of feeling like, oh, they need to be acting like they're okay and they need to be putting on that fake front. And so hearing somebody actually say like, to hell with it, I'm going to write what I'm actually feeling is so refreshing. I, all of the things you just said are just making my head spin a little bit because I'm thinking about like so many different things, just that uh, when you were talking about, you know, people not talking about their grief and like looking around and saying, well, I know this person's gone through it and this person's gone through it. It's like, before you've experienced it, you have no concept of how deep the pain is. And then once you're feeling it, you're like, how? in the world are people feeling this terrible and not talking about it. Exactly. And you do feel crazy because you're like, maybe I'm experiencing this in a different way than everyone else. And you know, if that's the case, what's wrong with me? Because there's no way that other people are feeling this exact way and are just like walking around around the world, like going about their lives. And, um, so it, it it is kind of fascinating, but it's like, I I don't know. It's like, like Fight Club or something. Like we yeah. don't talk about Fight Club. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's exactly what I think people like you and, and I are trying to kind of dismantle is no, like, let's talk about it. Let's make this a thing that we can, that we can work through together. Since like you said, all of us are going to go through it at one point or another. And yeah, our experiences are going to vary person to person. But for the most part, you know, even even some of those feelings that people might be ashamed of, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's worth talking about. And it's worth just getting it out in the open, because just, you know, I just imagine how many people can be helped through these processes if they didn't have to have to do it on their own and, and just sit there and wonder if they're losing it or not. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, getting back to the gratitude piece and how I think the world would be so helped by this visibility of grief movement is that grief typically makes people uncomfortable because it's like you're, you're speaking of what is not to be spoken of. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe Fight Club isn't the right analogy and the right analogy is Voldemort. Like we don't, we yeah. don't speak of it. And so it, when you do speak of it, it, it can make people feel uncomfortable. Like it's, it's this taboo subject. And so then I think the response is to point out the, well, at least this and at least that. And, you know, but, but you have this and at yeah. least you didn't suffer. And, right. um, you know, at least you got to say goodbye or yes. whatever your at least might be. Um, and at least is the, the least helpful. Um, yeah. You know, if you ever find yourself, <laughs> if you ever find yourself using those two words at the beginning of a sentence, just, <laughs> just stop. stop. <laughs> just stop. Yeah. But I think, yeah, we want to gloss over it. We want, and I did, and I did it to myself. Like nobody was even doing that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think the reason why I had that experience where, um, I wasn't having a lot of people kind of wondering why I was grieving so deeply. I think because people saw me going through a lot of other things through the years in my life and, and always being like, I'm okay. I'm okay. Everything's okay. 
um, you know, that it was always like, I've got it. It's all under control. We're figuring this out. And so then they, they just knew from seeing me or speaking with me that when my dad dies, died, that was like, not, not okay. It was the first time that I was definitely not okay. And, um, so I think, you know, the people close to me didn't try to grateful me out of it, but, um, I did it to myself because I was uncomfortable with my own self and Mm -hmm. I felt ashamed that I was sitting in my grief for, to my thinking for so long. <laughs> for and more than three I think months. <laughs> also because it wasn't, you know, he wasn't my spouse. He wasn't my child. And in the order of things, you know, if things go the way they quote unquote should, um, you're you're gonna outlive your parents. And and so I was like, well, this is something, this is not unique. This is something everybody has to go through. So who am I? to say, you know, my relationship with my father was so wonderful that my grief is harder or different and not really having seen that kind of grieving modeled for me. I really did think that I was, I don't know, being melodramatic or something. Mm -hmm. What was your experience kind of growing up when you did lose people, maybe grandparents or something like that? What was the model that you did have for grief? Um, well, it's funny. I have <laughs> my mother is um, an absolutely lovely person. And she'd, she'd be the first to also say that she's not a very um, em- emotive person. So I think before my dad died, I had maybe seen my mom cry twice. And once was, uh, I remember when she lost her dad. And that was a sudden passing. He had had a heart attack and it wasn't even, um, I wasn't supposed to see it. You know, Mm -hmm. it was like, I went into a room and she was folding laundry and I could see that she'd been crying. Um, even with, um, the passing of my dad, um, she's been, you know, very loving to me of my grief, but she won't really cry in front of me. She, she'll, she'll tell me later that she had a hard week or she had been struggling all day or something like that, but she wouldn't, won't show it to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and a lot of the writing that I did during that year, um, she did finally read my book. She had to do it in like little <laughs> snippets because, yeah. because it was hard for her to read. But when I was writing my um, my Facebook posts online, she mostly did. She doesn't really go on social media much anyway, but she didn't read them. Um, and I had like a WordPress account, so she could have gone on and, and read that not on social media. But it was just too, it was just too hard for her to see um, me processing it. I think. And obviously she was trying to process it too. I mean, my dad was 70 when he died and my parents um, met and started dating when they were 15. Oh, wow. That's a whole life. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, there's, you know, my mother on that side and then my dad's sisters, um, we, we laugh and tease them all the time. And I'm, you know, I tease them about it knowing I'm exactly the same way, but 
they cry all the time. <laughs> it's usually not, um, not necessarily like, uh, I, I, I don't know. It, it, I would describe it as it's most often joyful crying, like, or even like when we're crying about, you know, being sad about something, then we'll, we'll laugh and cry at the same time. And like, we'll laugh so hard that we cry and, um, we get very sentimental, you know, the type of people that would cry at commercials and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, when their parents died, my father's parents, um, I remember that being a more outwardly emotional experience. Um, but, you know, I, it wasn't, it just wasn't the same obviously as losing my dad. And, um, so I, I hadn't had that kind of, my whole family is very close, but I hadn't had the same kind of like daily contact relationship with my grandparents. And, um, and also my, you know, when my father's mother died, she was like 93 years old and she had been ready to go for a while, you know, not ill, but just like, ready to go. Yeah, <laughs> you know, her husband had died 20 years young, earlier. And she was just like, you know, every time someone else would die that was younger than her, she'd kind of be like, why am I still here? You know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's a different, it's a different experience than when you lose somebody young. Um, I did, my father's father died around the same age as my father. I think mm -hmm. he was 72, maybe. Yeah. And uh and it was shocking to my father and his sisters. My my father had uh, a law practice with my grandfather and then eventually with my older brother. So um that was a very shocking death. But I, I think even then it was kind of they didn't want us to go see him when he was in the hospital. Um he was only in the hospital for a few days, but they didn't want us to see him because they didn't want us to see him want our last memory to be of him being in a hospital bed, which I know is something that a lot of people might feel that way, you know, but for me, you know, my dad was in a coma actually, uh, for, I think it was nine days. And that time of seeing him like that, it was very hard. And I think in some ways traumatizing, but also very important because I could see, you know, I, I was able to go through the process of kind of reckoning, like going from the spiral of like, oh, maybe he's going to wake up and this is going to be fine to being like, okay, this, that's not what's going to happen here. And then, you know, eventually we had to make the decision to cut off life support, which was awful, but I'm, I am grateful for having that time of being able to see him sick and see, see him go through that and kind of recognize what was happening. Um, and I think sort of what happened probably with my father's father was more what's more typical, which is like, let's just have this be as nice as possible, kind of. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yep. I know exactly what you mean. And I'm I'm wondering about your own kiddos. How How old were they when your dad died? So they would have been 10 and eight or seven, almost eight. And um, 
I, you know, I went through my own learning process with them about that because I would cry in the shower and not want to cry in front of them. And um, it was one of the things that I wrote about. One of the stories I wrote that ended up in my book was I was um, visiting a friend and my kids were coloring over in the corner and my friend and I were, you know, as we foolishly as adults think we're having these private conversations um, mm-hmm. because the kids are engaged in doing something, but they're totally listening to you anyway. But uh, we were just talking about how I was processing my grief and my 10 year old drew this gorgeous picture of um, this woman's face. And one side of it was all in reds and yellows and golds. And she and the other side was like blue and green and like darker colors. And the brightly colored side of her face, the mouth was turned up in a smile and the darker colors, the mouth was turned down on the other side of her face. And then she was wearing a crown and one side of the crown was all flowers and the other side of the crown was all thorns. And I remember just like looking at that picture and thinking like, she sees me, like she sees all of, all of me. And like the fact that I think I'm hiding my grief by crying in the shower or in the car after I drop them off at school is ridiculous. Like all I'm doing is teaching them that I'm ashamed of it mm-hmm. or that I think that it's something that I should be hiding from them. Yeah. And I just really realized that wasn't what I wanted to teach them. And I wanted to teach them that it was okay to cry and it was okay to, to feel however you're feeling and get angry and sad and confused and frustrated and all of the things. And it all gets to belong because otherwise I'm just setting them up for the same situation that I felt like I was in where I didn't think it was okay for me to express all of that. Right. Um, that was actually the, the brave face portion of your book is one that I highlighted, uh, quite a bit here because there were so many good, um, good things, just things that resonated with me so much. Um, do you mind if I read a couple of the, the parts that I highlighted in brave face? No, not at all. Be honored. Um, the first one was how can a child learn? It's okay to feel deeply if they've never seen that modeled for them. The second piece was, as parents, we want to protect our children from, well, everything, (laughs) even from feelings. The third was, it's okay to talk to them about how I am feeling. And the last one was, we should not shelter them from seeing us feel, from seeing us grieve. And I mean, I, I truly just had chills as I was going through reading this portion of your book because it was something that... It was a choice that I made to to grieve very openly as well. Um, first of all, because uh, and I lost my mom, and so the the reason that I chose that was because it terrified me to think that they were kind of like you said going to. If I didn't model it, they were going to go through the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't want that, and it so it was it almost felt like a form of protection or protecting mm-hmm. them for me um, to show them what this looks like. And mm-hmm. try to help them not be scared of it. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, trying to figure out how to parent without one of your parents is 
just kind of a it's it's so confusing and so difficult um but this 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 portion of your book really i i'm so so thankful that you wrote that in there for for people who are maybe who maybe find your book because they're going through this um i think it's so important that we do teach our kiddos how to do how to do grief because in a healthy way because they're going to experience it and that piece that you that you talk about how you don't want them to be ashamed of it we shouldn't be ashamed of it that is such a huge message that i want to put out there to people because there's no feeling that you're going to have through grief that you should be ashamed of no matter what it is i guarantee that so many other people have had it before mhm yeah okay. I, and Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. It's all right. (laughs) Um, One of the experiences that we had after my father died was uh, the reverend coming over to talk to us. And she listened to my brother and I talk about my dad. And then she said to us, you're... (laughs) These are, you know, I'm sure this is not the exact words that she said, but this is what I heard. You're very lucky, actually, because people who I can tell what a wonderful relationship you had with your dad and people who have not had a good relationship with their parent often have a much more difficult time with grief. And I was really angry at her Mm -hmm. for saying that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, I didn't express that. I just kept it to myself and then Mm -hmm. wrote about it later, which is Mm -hmm. (laughs) how I process. Mm -hmm. But um, I was really annoyed that she said that. Like, how can you tell me that we're lucky? Like, I feel the furthest from lucky that I have ever felt in my entire life. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just really resented her saying that. Yeah. But since I've been writing and talking and listening about and reading about grief, I have learned that she was right. And um, I don't know, I just felt like I wanted to say that with you mentioning, like, there's no shame in in all of the feelings that Mm -hmm. I think it's so important to recognize that people can grieve very deeply, even when or especially when they've lost someone that they maybe always wished that they had had uh, a good relationship with and didn't um, because then of course the opportunity is forever lost. And Mm -hmm. I, I just think what I've learned is just that grief comes in so many forms, not only in relating to death, but you know, grieving a marriage, grieving a job, grieving right now with COVID, grieving a lifestyle you once had, um, grieving normalcy, um, just grief is, I guess, defined as losing something or someone that you love. And um, it just, it's something that no one can get through this life without experiencing. And I think it's so important to normalize it and to recognize that you just, you know, we hear sort of these cliche things all the time, but it's so true. You don't know what someone's going through 
you know, you, you just don't know. So we all just need to try and be a little bit kinder and a little bit more compassionate because not everybody wears their heart on their heart on their sleeve or writes daily about how they're grieving. And, Mm -hmm. um, and we don't get out of this life without some. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, you, you refer back to writing and I'm wondering about, um, when you did say to hell with it and, and make the switch from kind of a gratitude type post or journal to, um, talking about how you really felt about things. And this question kind of goes along with your book too. Um, what were, what were your feelings kind of putting yourself out there in such a way where you were sharing such raw emotion and such raw personal stories, whether that be through social media or your book, what was that? What were the feelings like doing those things? So I think initially I was in such a deep well, in such a terribly dark and raw place that I I think, you know, as you said, you know, to hell with it. Um, I, I just, um, I think I couldn't imagine feeling worse. So <laughs> it was just sort of like, what do I have to lose? I'm yeah. just going to be honest about how I feel because you know, not, nothing, nothing worse is going to happen to me right now. And then in sharing the depths of that, I connected with so many people and I learned that the more vulnerable, the more shame, the more um, wounding, whatever it was that I was about to post was to me, the more people it resonated with. Yeah. And that was so empowering to me because I just felt like this is something that people really want to talk about and want to relate to each other about. So it became easier and easier for me. Um, You know, I still had a few posts where I was, you know, my heart was racing when I hit post and typically most of those were about my love life because Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, that's just how it was. But um it was uh it was always so i guess um such a relief and validating and um empowering as i said just to be able to put something out there and just have so many people you know shout shout out from the bleachers you know me too and sometimes people would um send me private messages on the side because they weren't comfortable commenting mm-hmm. publicly. A lot of people did comment publicly, but, um, you know, I'd get messages from people like, have you been reading my diary? And <laughs> how, like, this is exactly how I feel. And yeah. how did you know that I went through this exact same thing? And yep. thank you for putting into words something that I've been wrestling with. It's so mm-hmm. helpful to have it kind of laid out for me. Yeah. And, um, so it was a very, um, I think, empowering experience. Yeah, I can, I can definitely relate to that. That was something that I did for a while too. Probably in the first, uh, I would say, six months after my mom died, really kind of putting things out there. And it was the same experience for me, where there were people who would comment so that other people could see, but also those those text messages or those private messages would come in and and people just sharing in that experience. And, and, and also my sister is actually one who would say, 
you can put what I'm thinking into words. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting how many people struggle with with doing things like this. And so I, I just want to say thank you for being able to, to put yourself out there the way that you have um, on social media and in your book. I think it's so incredibly important that we become more um, death and grief literate as a society. And I think it takes people like you to, to do that. So thank you. Oh, and likewise, I was, I, you know, even when I was going, when I was in my process of, I've never really uh, honestly had never, this seems rude to say right now, but I've ne- I had never really been a podcast listener and I didn't, um, I didn't really get into it until about, I don't know, two or three months. Well, my book came out in July and I have a really good friend who has a podcast and I went and did her podcast. And then I, um, you know, was listening to all of the guests that she had on her, her podcast, the Revelation Project podcast. And then I was like, oh, you know, I bet there are some podcasts that are just about grief because her podcast was um, is more about um, empowering women. So it wasn't a podcast about grief, but she had me on there to talk about my book. And so then I was like, huh, I bet there are probably some podcasts about grief. And oh, and the other thing that really um, made me go looking for podcasts about grief was the fact that people kept saying to me that my book was funny and um, that they, you know, didn't expect to laugh so much in a, in a book about death. And they really appreciated that there was so much humor woven into it. And um, I don't know, it was just, you know, the book is daily reflections for me and I, I don't know how anyone can survive without humor. So it just kind of wove its way into it. But when people kept saying that to me, like I wasn't expecting to laugh, I was like, is is that weird? Like, is there some, so I started to Google like pod death podcast funny and like things like that. And, uh, and there are several podcasts that, um, that are about grief and humor, you know, interwoven yeah. because, uh, that that's to me, it helps to make grief survivable really is, is being able to laugh sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how can you not? Um, it's, uh, I was on a, a podcast with um, Tawny Plattis uh, called Death is Hilarious. And she, um, I love that she says that that grief, like the reason why it's funny is because it's absurd and there's nothing more absurd about like all of a sudden this person that you love that's in your life is gone. Like mm-hmm. how, how is that even possible? And humor is really just pointing out things that are absurd. And so yeah. it's like, they go hand in hand. And um, so, so then I was like humor death podcast. And then I started getting into just more, you know, general grief podcasts. And I've, I've been listening to so many and and that's how I, I came across your podcast as well. But um, I guess my point in all this rambling is that it was a tool that I did not have. I, it was at my disposal. I could have been using it, but I didn't in my fresh grief. And I also didn't, um, I didn't go out of my way initially to read books about grief either. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I recognize what, and, and, you know, maybe I just wasn't ready and maybe people who are really in fresh grief, everyone's different. Maybe they immediately go for like resources to try and investigate and learn about what they're going through. But for me, I was just sort of like, 
everything just shut down. Um, But there are so many wonderful uh, outlets and ways for people who are grieving to learn that they're not alone. And I think that that is such a a remarkable thing. And uh, one of the bright lights of social media um, is bringing together, you know, all of these people who are willing and able to talk about their grief and, and really want to connect with other people who are willing and able to talk about it because there might not be somebody in your immediate circle of family and friends as much as maybe you, you know, you love them, they love you. Maybe you're even grieving the same loss, you know, everyone goes through it differently and maybe you feel like um, you're not getting what you need in terms of um, having the mirror held up for you or, you know, just seeing yourself in in somebody else within your circle of people. So being able to go on Instagram and, you know, hashtag grieving daughter or whatever, you know, other hashtags that I use to kind of find people. um, It's so, it's so valuable. And I think it probably really would have helped me if I had known to do that in the beginning. Yeah, it's interesting how much more isolating grief can be when the members of your family aren't grieving quite the same as you are, you know, whether you want to call it healthy or unhealthy or, you know, just different different ways that grief hits people and when you're you're if you're a a child of someone who died, even if you're an adult child if for example, you know, if your sister or your brother isn't grieving the same way as you, you can't really talk much and kind of meet on that same page about what you're experiencing because they're experiencing the same thing, but so different. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel, at least for me, it didn't feel super productive because both people are trying to be heard. And um, it's almost like you have to pivot away and and that can feel really even more isolating than grief already is because you want those people to understand you and hear you, but but they can't, they don't have the capability of doing so. And you're right, going, being able to go out and search, you know, a grief hashtag, um, it really kind of brings you together with some of the people that you, you'll never meet in your life. But it's nice to see it's like, yep, there's other people out there feeling this way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think for, you know, my brothers and I, um, just being together, we, we did that a lot and that was really helpful. I mean, we're a very close family anyway, but we didn't really spend a lot of time sitting down and talking about how we were feeling. Um, and I, I, I think all three of us were hit so hard by my father's death. It wasn't that one of us was closer to him than the others. And, um, I don't know. I think it was just like the pain was too deep for us to even really talk about it with each other. So Mm -hmm. we kind of needed to just, you know, process, as you said, process it in different ways. Um, You know, one might have really delved into work. One really may have, you know, started exercising a lot or, you know, whatever it it might be. Um, and, And not to say that just being able to sit together and be together wasn't enough for Mm -hmm. us in our relationship. I think it was so valuable and important. And, 
you know, sometimes I'll, I'll call up one of my brothers and just say like, I'm having a really bad dad day. Mm. And, and we don't even really say anything. It's just like, oh, uh-huh. I, I know I had one of those last week or, you know, but we don't really like delve into it too much. It's just yep. having that moment of like, oh, yeah. Yep. Like I know this person feels this as deeply as I do. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I think for me, it's been important to be exposed to people who all um, process their grief in different ways has been, mm-hmm. has been helpful. Yeah. Well, we're running up on the 50 minute mark and I, you know, one of my favorite questions to ask people is whether they have any recommendations or suggestions for our listeners who may be going through something similar, uh, whether, you know, with you, whether it's somebody else who lost their dad or, um, you know, another person close to them, what advice would you give people who are kind of in the throes of experiencing that deep, heavy, kind of immediate grief that you feel right after you lose someone? I think that my biggest piece of advice would be just to allow yourself to feel it. And it's, it it may be really scary. Uh, I think a lot of people feel like if they let it all in fully, like they'll never recover from it. I, and I think that we just, we sort of have to allow it all to come in order to process it. And um, pushing it down is, is, in my opinion, not helpful. And I think just letting yourself acknowledge that all of these parts of you, whether it's this deep sadness, this um, anger, frustration, um, maybe, I mean, all of these feelings get to belong. Mm-hmm. You you can go through feeling just really angry that you don't have your person anymore and you see other people with their parents or, you know, whoever it might be that you lost. And you're kind of like, why do they get to have that? And I don't get to have it anymore. And, um, all of those feelings, you just have to let them come no matter how, um, how hard, how scary, how, um, unpleasant or shameful they may feel. It's, it's all part of the process and it all gets to belong. I think that might be the favorite, the favorite quote from this podcast, this episode is it it all gets to belong. Every part of you gets to belong. I think that's a beautiful, beautiful sentiment um, to share with listeners. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for, for sharing your life with us. Um, I, I would love it if our listeners would go by dipped in it by Bethany Harvey, um, Bethany, where can our listeners find that book? Well, the easiest thing is, is, uh, to go on Amazon or, um, target or barnesandnoble.com and you can order it online, but I love our small local booksellers. And if you're willing to be patient, uh, any bookseller can get my book. If you go in and ask for it, it just might take a few days longer than it would if you ordered it online. So, um, if you can, if you can, I, if you're like me, you know, I, I, I heard uh, Brene Brown say this the other day, like about a, a guest that she had on her show, like you, you want to rush to, to, uh, Amazon and get the book really quick in that moment that you're like excited about it. But then most of us have 
who are readers have like a stack of books on our nightstand a mile high and you probably not actually going to read that book for, uh, you know, two to six months. Right. right. <laughs> so if you can call your local bookseller and wait a week to go and pick it up, you're probably <laughs> not going to start reading it any sooner than you would if you ordered it online. So <laughs> that's my, my little plug for the uh, local bookstores, but it is on, it is on Amazon. Um, and it's available on Amazon in a bunch of different countries too. If uh, I know you mentioned you have, a lot of international listeners, listeners. So that would be um, the easiest way for them to get it, I guess. Excellent. Well, I love that that you kind of put the plug for both because I think people who, you know, are just starting their grief process, those who need it really quickly and need something to kind of grab onto, as many of us did. Um, Amazon's a great option, and otherwise, your local your local book dealer. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate so much. Um, being on here. And I think when you mentioned sometimes people need something to grab onto right away, it's funny that I've had kind of this, when people will say to me, so-and-so lost their dad, so I'm going to send them your book. And it's so funny because sometimes my immediate reaction is like, oh, they might not be ready for that yet, which is hilarious because it's like, they're, they're in it, you know? And um, the book is literally written in real time during my grief. So I think what's so, um, what a, tends to appeal to people about it is it's not a book about how to grieve. It's a book about a woman who is grieving. And um, so I think it's very raw and messy and relatable in that way. So people, like you mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast, feeling like they're crazy for, Mm -hmm. you know, their thoughts or what they're going through. um, It can be kind of that that thread of feeling like, oh, okay, actually, this is so normal. Somebody wrote about it in a book. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, well, if somebody else feels it, it's okay. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks, Kate. You too. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us today. We'd love for you to get further connected with our project. You can find the links in the podcast information. You can also find the Death Dialogues Project on Facebook, on Instagram, and at www.deathdialogues.net. Take good care and see you next time.